1: Welcome, everybody, to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by thehockeythinktank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on from Vanguard International Hockey jeff loebman and what a conversation this was jeff is out in the long island staten island area right now doing really good things for the players out that way so great conversation before we do get over to him though let's bring on the talent of the podcast oh one jehu jeffrey levecchio vex what is going on today
2: I got a new fancy mic that I'm pretty excited about. Well, I mean, I'm not not excited because I broke the cord to the other one because I bent it like an idiot. Um, but this thing's fancy, so that's fun. I'm excited about that. Uh, also started back up training uh, an NFL client. This will be my first full off season with him, which I'm really, really excited about. Worked with him a bit last year. Um, plays in New York for the Jets, Tony Adams. Um, so East. just, yeah, dude. Follow this guy on Instagram, guys. I'm telling you, this guy, undrafted, undersized, like everything going against him and became a starter in the NFL the last game of his first season and then won the starting job the second year coming out of training camp. This guy is just all heart, all DB? balls. Uh, uh, safety. which Safety, cornerback back there, guy. You know, football guy. <laughs> I'm just helping him get strong, move better, play better. Yeah, I don't care. Um, unbelievable guy. Like, this guy's ability to, like, do things at a higher level in his brain and push himself to another level is really exciting for me, especially during this downtime where I don't Let have me ask you this. off offseason.
1: Is that something that you can train? 100%. Dude, I
2: know it's 100% something you can train because I was kind of a mentally weak kid. So – you know, we're actually told tells one of the best stories I've ever heard in youth hockey on this episode, guys. Like he's told it one other time on the podcast. It is lit. Like I I had goosebumps when he was telling it, I had chills. I like, it, it is one of the coolest stories in youth hockey. And I think that I didn't know the guy that he tells a story about before that, uh, uh, story, but Toph, how was he before that? Do you, did you notice a change in him mentally? Like, like,
1: I didn't know him that well, to be honest no, with you. We yeah. never played on the same team up until then. So now because that he, I know him, that's that's in his character, though, for sure.
2: Right. But, like, was it built is, is what I'm asking. And, like, you know, I've known you your whole life, and I felt like you were always a mentally tough person. So I don't know. I felt
1: like I was kind of mentally weak when I was
2: a kid, and it's something that it was like either you're going to develop hey man,
1: this. Mental toughness is not finite. Mental toughness is not finite at all. It's something that it's, it's interesting. Like we're talking about this right now because I was up in Minnesota this weekend um, and in, in Moorhead, Minnesota, which was right on the border of North Dakota and Fargo. And that's one of the things we talked about was like mental toughness is something you earn you know, it's something that you earn based on the choices that you make every day. And for me, a lot of it is, is resilience, mental toughness and resilience are like siblings. And so every day, what I say, like when I do my team building is like every day presents us with tough opportunities every day, whether they're big, whether they're small, every day we're faced with tough stuff, mentally tough people, they choose to see the tough stuff as an opportunity an opportunity to grow an opportunity to challenge themselves an opportunity to learn something they take a positive out of everything mentally weak people see the tough stuff as poor me they make excuses they point fingers you know and 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 they don't look in the mirror and and again you can train yourself to be mentally tough based on those choices that you make every day particularly when it's hard When it's hard, if you choose to see the good in it and act on that, you are building your mental toughness muscle. Again, when you're in the gym, Vex, this is the the metaphor that I use. When you're in the gym and you're chucking weights in the weight room, what are you doing to your muscles?
2: Breaking them down to get them stronger.
1: You're breaking them down. You're breaking them down. You're breaking them down, right? And then how do your muscles get stronger? It's by how you recover, by how you eat, by how you sleep, by how you hydrate, you know, I'm sure you can go into a whole soliloquy about that stuff. The mind is the same thing. What was that word that you just used? Soliloquy. Holy. <laughs> I thought you were going to say funky butt loving. What? Did, <laughs> from Ricky I don't Beaker. even know
2: what that means. It's like a poem. Wow. Not what I would have surmised
1: from <laughs> the contextual details. Go on, Mr. <laughs> Borafil. Go on with the Borafil. Anyways, the point I'm making is that mental toughness is not finite. And like, it's it's like a muscle that when, you know, we talked about physically, when you're working out, you're breaking them down, you're breaking them down, your muscles are breaking them down. And then you recover is how you get stronger. It's the same thing mentally. When the tough stuff happens, it's trying to break you down. It's trying to break you down. It's trying to break you down. How you treat yourself mentally and the way that you choose to see those situations, that is going to increase your mental toughness muscle. It's a muscle. It's not something you buy. It's a muscle that gets stronger or gets weaker based on the choices that you make when the tough stuff happens. And the most mentally tough people that I've been around, like it's like nothing phases them because they see the good in every situation. It's not poor me it's not a, you know, look at me attitude, like sulking, pouting, but that's why it's so hard to be great. And so hard to be mentally tough because like when the tough stuff happens, it's way easier, way easier to quit. It's way easier to pout. It's way easier to make excuses than it is to do something about it and choose to see the good in every situation. And so it was a big part of the message when I was up in Minnesota as I was talking to the teams up there. And uh, it was actually a really cool day. Like I, I, I went up there. It was it was a fundraiser called Break the Ice, and it's a fundraiser for mental health. So this group, it's M um, three, they proactively provide mental health resources and support to the kids in the area. So it's not like you know, hey, a kid has a problem, they're going to come talk to a sports psychologist or they're going to come talk to a therapist. It's like, no, we're going to actively go. And and speak with these teams and speak with these kids and provide them with the tools and provide them with the support and provide them with the skills to be able to be mentally tough and to be able to be comfortable in your own skin and and everything that goes along with mental wellness. And so it was just a really, really cool cause. I'm so grateful to have been up there for that day. Um, It was really cool. I got to talk with the girls high school team. I got to talk with the boys high school team. And I got to talk with the Bantam team as well. And um three very different talks um based on where they were at in their seasons and how they were doing. Uh, but it was cool. Both teams won that played uh that day. So that was that was kind of cool. Two and you know, in my Moorhead debut. <laughs> Not a big deal. Um, but it was just a really phenomenal day. And and the one thing that was really cool, and this is another thing I want to bring up, the word community, right? And and the reason why I want to bring that up is I feel like there's this really big kind of like thing in youth hockey community model versus like kind of professional AAA model, community model versus AAA model. And like the proof is in the pudding. Like you look at like Finland and Sweden, they're basically the community model, Minnesota community model, and like per capita, these places are like outperforming from an elite player standpoint everywhere else in the world. Um, and, And one could surmise that it's a lot of it is the model. Now we talk way too much about, elite players coming out of these models. That's kind of like how we gauge it, right? Like so many players in the NHL are from Minnesota. So many players in the NHL per capita from Sweden and from Finland, yada, yada, yada. The thing that I really found from being up in Minnesota and I got the chance to um, be in Moorhead for the day, I got the chance to be in Eden Prairie, which is near, uh, closer to the Twin Cities in in Minneapolis and St. Paul. Like I really got a sense of community. And what I mean by that is like, going to the rink and having, you know, youth teams wearing the Eden Prairie Jersey or wearing the, the Moorhead Jersey watching the game and then escape with the team after the game. And then like just the, like the town coming to the game to cheer on the team and like the whole sense of community from like, a don't want to say a mental health standpoint, but just from like a, just like a people standpoint, man, like we don't talk about that enough. And like at the end of the day, as human beings, we crave approval. We just want to be a, in a place where we belong, right? Like that's a huge part of our mental health, our well-being as people, and that dates back, <laughs> you know, to wanting to be a part of the tribe thousands of years ago. You know, when humans were roaming the earth, um, it, it's a fundamental human need to, to to belong to a tribe, to belong to a group, and and I feel like that's a huge part of the reason why the community model works forget about like the fact that like elite players are coming from these places because there's less pressure. People like it more. It's a lot more fun. Like the passion can grow a lot more. um, There's not as much burnout, you know, all all of those kinds of things, but just the sense of community and having a pride for playing for something that's bigger than yourself. Like that's the one thing that I feel like from a skill standpoint, kids need to learn if they want to be a winner at the higher levels, they have to understand that they're playing for something bigger than themselves. And when you do that, that's when special things happen. And, and it's a little bit harder in the AAA model to accomplish that. And that's not to say you can't, but like when you're playing for your town, like you're thinking about all of the alumni that played there before you. And that's one of the things I talked about with the kids was like, hey, you know, you guys have an expectation to win a state championship every year. Why is that? Well, it's the blood, sweat and tears of all the people who came here before you you know, and you have to live on that legacy. So kids five, 10, 15, maybe 30 years down the road when it's your kids, now they still have this unbelievable experience of trying to play for a state championship and win a state championship because of all of you and what you did in, in your time there. And so just like the, 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 like doing something for something bigger than yourself is such a, just such a powerful thing. And that's what the community model really emphasizes. And that's why I feel like it, it, it is so powerful.
2: That's something I've never thought about, like zooming out that far. And I feel like that's why I loved college hockey so much because you're doing something, playing 100%. something that's so much bigger than you and Western Michigan actually just had their 50th uh, anniversary for the hockey team playing play, uh, at Western. And like, seeing the coaches faces when they came here to St. Louis and talking about that and them showing me the, the new rink plans, which are like, <laughs> buddy, oh, just ridiculous. Western Michigan, Western Michigan will win a national championship in the next 10 years. No doubt in my mind, probably less than that. Uh Maybe five years after they built that rink, bro, it is insane. But like, I almost started crying when coach put up it on the projector. I was with him. Uh, um, with uh with first in the office there in the st louis rink and he's showing me all the stuff and i almost started crying because i thought about oh when i got to western our locker room was awful and then that summer after my freshman year they redid it and it was amazing after you know and i just i would like i look back i'm like wow from there to here to where it's going and i just have such a sense of pride that i was a tiny little piece of that you know uh, uh uh history and moving forward and being able to look back. So what you're saying here, I completely connect and resonate with that. And, and I mean, that's why I love Minnesota's model, honestly.
1: Yeah. I'm looking forward. So in the next three weeks, next weekend, I'm going out to Cornell, uh going to visit out there. And then two weeks after that, I'm going up to Ann Arbor uh to Michigan to, to see the boys up that way. And yeah, man, like two, two schools with just like story traditions, That, you know, it does. It means something. It means something to a lot of people. And I think that the weight of that, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a very positive way. It means something. It means something. And you're playing for something, again, a lot bigger than yourself. And that's something that we always used to talk about at at Cornell. Like, it's the biggest sport in town. It's the biggest sport in town. We sell out all of our games and some people are spending their hard earned money and they don't have a lot of it on season tickets to come watch us play. Like you got to play for those people. You got to play for the alumni, blood, sweat and tears who won ECAC championships back in the day. Again, why did I go to Cornell? Because of the winning tradition. It was a hockey school and had people not worked hard before me i wouldn't have chosen cornell and it's because of them that i did and and again you're playing dude i mean we're beating this to a dead horse right now but i do think it's so powerful and it's such a great life skill to have forget about playing hockey like if you're doing something for something greater than yourself that is a very powerful thing you know when you become a dad and you're providing for your family like that means something uh, you're doing something from for a charity perspective that means something, you know, even if you're like, it doesn't matter whatever job you have, like garbage man, like you're providing a service that is much bigger than you, you know, and, and when you feel the the gravity of that. And again, when I say gravity, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a positive way, like you are having a positive impact on other people's lives. That means a lot, man. It means a lot. They're
2: giving me chills over here. Making me want
1: to play right now. um anyway speaking of community thank you everybody in our hockey think tank facebook community like this thing is absolutely buzzing absolutely buzzing and again like we have so many people in there and the discussions and the discourse has been so cool like having parents and having coaches have the opportunity to pose questions and have the community do their thing and like we've already seen a huge positive impact for people that are in there to be able to collaborate with other people that are just passionate about hockey. And so like we encourage everybody uh, we think this is awesome, man. Like it, it's been really cool to meet people in this thing and just get so many different perspectives like the places that people are from in this thing is insane too they're they're from everywhere from all levels like it's it's unbelievable and so like go to the there's a community tab on there and you got to join this thing man and not only are you going to get this discourse with all these really 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 cool hockey people but you also get access to the 10 questions that we do after every one of these podcast episodes you have the ability to watch short shifts live with with and i a couple discounts gmbm stuff like man like this has been really fun to do again and it all comes down to a community that's what we want out of this thing creating a community where people can feel like they belong they can share their ideas they can bring stuff together it's really 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 cool
2: and i just love like everybody in the in the group in the community talking to each other too Oh, I have the question about this. Oh, when my son went through it, went this, Oh, here's my experience. Here's Toph's experience. Here's another parent's experience. Here's a player's experience. For me, it's just really cool, you know, going through all all of the wisdom because wisdom is earned through, through going through the, the trials and tribulations of, of whatever we're talking about and specifically here, youth hockey and to have so many parents who are in the thick of it now, about to start it all the way through it, you know, players like us, coaches who are in there. It's just, it's a lot of, a lot of wisdom that's going to be shared, you know, and it's, it's wisdom. Fun, fun to be a part of. Wisdom. I like yeah. it.
1: Well, let's get over to Jeff Loebman. Let's but before we do get over to Jeff, let's thank a few people. First of all, GelSticks, our title sponsor, go to gelstx.com and get a discount on your way to training sticks with the coupon code think tank, one word gelsticks.com. Go there today.
2: Wow, that was <laughs> one of my favorite you've ever done. Well I done. I like the voices and everything. Remind me of the micro machine guy. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank, I want to thank hockey, uh, hockey think tank. What I want to thank Train Heroic. Train heroic is the unbelievable app that houses all of my online training programs. I say it every single time. If you have a team or an organization. If you have a team of younger players who don't drive yet and you want to get them home workouts during the offseason, helping them get better for a hilariously low price or in the gym, it doesn't matter. All right. I'm able to facilitate all of these things. Please reach out to me. But I'm able to do all of that because of Train Heroic and my partnership with them. So want to thank Train Heroic. Also want to thank Cured Nutrition. CuredNutrition.com. You can go there, try any of their products. You get a discount GMBM. Um, I've been using... CBD and specifically Cure Nutrition for years uh, helps me with a whole bunch of things. But like if you just brain fog, you want to be healthier, like we talk about in this episode, actually, your body works as a whole system. CBD just helps that system fire more efficiently, more effectively. But if you have any questions, seriously, please just reach out to me. I'll answer any questions or help you in any way I can. So thank you to Cured Nutrition, CureNutrition.com, discount code GMBM.
1: And we'd like to thank Helios Hockey, an unbelievable product. And what Helios Hockey is, it is a data tool that can give you instant feedback from your play. So you put this sensor in your shoulder pad. And you go out and you skate, you play a game, you practice, and it gives you instant feedback on your stride. It gives you instant feedback on what the younger kids really, really love, a hustle score, how hard you're working out there, really, really cool, competing with other kids on the team, maybe if they have Helios as well. Very, very awesome. But the game changer on this is it syncs right up with your video. So whether you're using your iPad, whether you're using a phone, whether you're using a, a camcorder, which we used to use way back in the day, or it links up with your Hockey TV or Live Barn. You get your shifts cut up for you instantly right after the game. Total time saver. Wish we had this when I was younger. Would have used it religiously. So go to HeliosHockey.com and get that discount. We have a discount with them. And it is also Think Tank One Word. And if you put that discount code, Think Tank One Word, in, it will give all new Helios members 20% off their initial 12-month membership. And it will get that sensor to put in your shoulder pads for. Free. So go to HeliosHockey.com today. Also want to thank IceHockeySystems.com, the best place to go for all your coaching education needs. They got thousands of drills. They got whiteboard explanations from some pretty awesome hockey people. You have the ability to draw up your drills, send out PDFs, store them, have a library. Guys, this is a one-stop shop for all coaching education. And we have partnered with them to do an associations platform where you can get this for every coach within your uh, association. Also, not just the coaches, but the parents as well because they have access to the Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide. So go to icehockeysystems.com today. Look up the associations tab. You will not regret it. And thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our listeners. Guys, this is episode 299. We're almost 300 episodes in, which is absolutely wild. Absolutely wild. And thank you. We would not be here without your guys' support. So we appreciate every like, every comment, every rating, every review, every download, every subscribe. I don't know. Is there anything else? That's probably pretty much it. But (laughs)
2: we appreciate all that you do.
1: We appreciate all that you do. And so if you can, if you think we're doing a, a positive deed for the hockey world with the perspective that we bring, if you can share us far and wide. Uh, we just want to spread the positive message, man, make the game a little bit better. And uh, we appreciate your support so much. You guys are going to love this episode. This was a fun one. So without further ado, here we go with Jeff Loebman. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast, he's out east, we got from Vanguard Hockey, Jeff Loebman. Jeff, how are you doing today, man?
0: Doing pretty well. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, it looks like you're sporting some Jeff Levecchio Bauer gear there.
0: Jeff Levecchio sports a Jeff
2: open Bauer gear. Why would you call Jeff LeVecchio Bauer gear? That's hilarious. No, man,
1: you worked really hard to get well, yeah, uh, under your umbrella. So just yeah. trying to hey man, you you always love a good tire pump. I'm trying to give I you do. one, okay? Okay, keep pumping away. I love it. <laughs> Awesome stuff. Well, Jeff, we appreciate you coming on. And uh, with all the guests that we have on here, just to introduce you to our listeners, uh, just tell us a little bit about how you fell in love with the great game of hockey. You grew up on Long Island, Strong Island. Actually, it's pretty funny. Our two-year-old right now, she like talks with like a Long Island accent. It's hilarious. Um, anyway, but grew up, grew up on Long Island. Tell us a little bit about how you fell in love with the game.
0: So uh, I actually fell in love with the game of hockey out of uh, pure necessity. So when I was younger, I guess we're all at one time we were younger. Uh, when uh, when I was a kid, I uh, had really terrible asthma, and uh, my mother took me to a pulmonologist. And for Mikey Russo on Staten Island, who's a longtime listener, a pulmonologist is a lung doctor. Mike, you don't have to Google it while you drive. So uh, my mother took me to a pulmonologist, and uh, he said, "Take him ice skating. The cold, dry air will help his lungs and help expand his airways." And, you know, I was, I was really, really bad, you know, stopped breathing a few times in the night and was on all types of medicines and machines and everything you could think of in and out of the hospital, pretty sickly kid and, uh, started skating. One thing led to the next and, you know, started playing hockey real young and I haven't used a single asthma medication or machine since I'm 12 years old. So, uh, hockey legitimately saved my life. Wow.
2: That's yeah. wild. I've never heard of that story ever in no, my I life either. of hockey. That is the first time that I've heard anyone say anything like that. That's
1: really cool. Wow, that is really cool. That is really yeah, cool. I, it, I, I, go ahead.
0: It's a crazy turn of events, man. I mean, I, you, I mean, for for something like that to change your life like that for the better, not just you know in the in the path of your life, but to actually heal you is was really something wild.
1: It's funny, like, Vax, I would like to get your take on this, um, just in your uh, expertise in wellness and stuff. But I wonder if it's not even necessarily for you, like, um, the actual asthma in the air, but also you kind of, like, found your passion. And, like, when you find your passion, it kind of, like you know, uh, when you're not as stressed, you love what you're doing. Like it, it, it has all of these effects physically, uh, for you. So Vex, like thoughts on well, that.
2: Well, I mean, everything's connected, like at literally every dude, this is wild. And I don't want to get off on a crazy tangent, but you know, um, Kylie and I, yet my wife, uh, yesterday we were talking about, um, skin cancer and the sun and all this stuff and she had randomly somebody dm'd her because she was talking about on her instagram at uh, fit by kiki what's up throw her a follow fam and um she she was so she was talking about not wearing sunscreen anymore because of all the chemicals that they found and how bad they are right and somebody had dm'd her and said their fa- someone in their family had cancer and they did all this research and Some a doctor had told them that um, using sunglasses changes how their skin reacts to the sun. Like if this, if, because of your eyes. So when the sun hits your eyes, it tells your body to protect itself from the sun. It makes, you know, different chemicals and stuff releases them. And so if you shade your eyes with sunglasses, it doesn't send that same signal to release the chemicals to your skin. I haven't had time to look into this at all, but like everything is connected in your whole body. So this type of thing, what you're saying, like. It very well could be like it's the the body is an amazing, amazing organism and how it uh, self-regulates and does all of these procedures through little things that I'm sure we still don't even fully understand. But, you know, this is just a really cool hockey uh, uh, story.
1: For sure, man. For sure. I mean, emotionally, socially, physically intellectually mentally like the more that we do the research on the human body and the more technology improves to get into the nitty-gritty of (laughs) how the body works it is amazing how it's all connected it is amazing how it's all connected i mean
2: it's too bad jeffy you'll find this funny as as a program director right is that your title now program director or what's Uh, the title
0: Coaching director and director. And director,
2: people. you're so you're directed a bunch of people back when Toef was doing that. Man, like all the stuff that that you know, all all the things that you go through, all the emails, talking to all the parents, a lot of stress. Everybody's on board. Everybody's off board. Everybody's kind of on board. Everybody's off board. Just trying to corral everybody. Toef used to be so stressed that we would be on the podcast and he, would you know, he'd be sitting there pulling like little eyebrow hairs <laughs> out. <laughs> and, he did, and after some episodes, a bit, like, hey man.
1: Are you stop okay doing that what are you are you doing? St-
2: he didn't even know he was doing it like he and he had no idea he was doing it till af- after like this third week And a row i was like hey you're pulling your eyebrows out all right <laughs> I <mean, I> <laughs> talk about your stress levels but it was just like something that his body was doing because he was stressed the body's crazy anyways let's move on but that's a really cool story hockey well, so literally saved this back. man's life
0: so they grew back and they look
1: great thank you sir <laughs> thank you I, I appreciate that. Um, so you're in Long Island, and I'm, I'm assuming this is kind of like late 90s or so. What was the deal with the Islanders at that point? Was it like the Millbury, like really bad years? or those kind of like your formative years of the Islanders? How was that?
0: Yeah, and it's funny you bring them up because where I grew up uh, and where I grew up playing was the Islanders practice facility for many, many years. Uh, Iceworks on Long Island and uh, Sayasit, and you know, we had everybody from Oleg Kavasha to Alexei Yashin and Ziggy Palfy walking around that place all the time. And uh, you know, we had some real beauties too, like Aaron Asham was in and out back then, and and he was great. And Chara was a was a real beauty with the kids. But you know, Yashin used to stroll in with his uh, with his pajamas on and his sunglasses on about 15 minutes before practice, and we all knew, even as kids, we knew what was going on. And he would just kind of put his head down and walk in, but. Uh, yeah, it was kind of a disaster back then. And uh, but for me, even growing up on Long Island, I was a Rangers fan since I was very young, since they won the cup right around the time I started playing. So it all just made sense to be a Rangers fan. But then it really uh, got reinforced when these the Islanders were in their you know just abysmal years with whatever was going on, and I saw them all the time. I was like, I just I just can't support a club like that. I'm a diehard Rangers fan for the rest of my life. <laughs> But yeah, some of those guys, some of those guys were really great with the kids. Like, you know, it really stands out to me how, how guys like and that's why I brought him up. Like Asham and Chara used to, used to really, you know, go out of their way to be quite kind to us, uh, knowing that we looked up to them and then some guys would just not even pay us any mind.
2: That's how important was that to you? Like looking back and like the memories that you have from that and what types of things did those guys who you remember fondly and who gave you a little bit of time, what types of things did they do?
0: Oh man. I mean, and I'm sure
2: it wasn't anything like huge, but to a kid
0: massive. Yeah. Even if it was just stop and shake our hands or like, I mean, one time they brought in pizza for us during a hockey camp it was just little things like that. I mean, I'm, I'm 33 now, right? I'm talking about when I was seven, eight years old, and this is still a memory that's, you know, right in the forefront of my my head. So, you know, it was just little things like that. And then you can also remember how guys like, and I'm sorry to throw you under the bus, Oleg, because I know you're cool with my coach, but like Oleg never spoke to us, never said a word. He would just come in, stone stone face killer, walk right to the dressing room, wouldn't say a word to us. We'd all be like, Oleg, Oleg, and, you know, Nothing. Um, I'm sure he's a nice guy and I'm sure he probably just felt like, you know, oh, great. Another bunch of kids. And, you know, I just want to come in and do my job. But, you know, Asha would talk to us sometimes. I'm sure he doesn't remember, but, you know, it sits with me for the rest of my life. And and Chara would talk to us sometimes. And just, you know, you look, I mean, think about it. You're three and a half, four feet tall and you're looking up at this giant. And he's like he's like a god. He, he looks like a god. And he's giving you just two seconds out of his day. But uh, I got to be honest, uh, one of my fondest memories of that was uh, when Roberto Luongo played for the club, him and the Sky Lenny uh, let me, th- we had this loft area above, uh, above the Zamboni Bay. And they were talking about, I was up there and they were talking about how they were going to pick the Ice Girls, like they were going to be part of the tryouts to pick the Ice Girls. And like Lou let me chill next to the table while they picked the Ice Girls. I obviously didn't have any say, but he let me chill there. With him and the guy, Lenny. And I just thought that was that was like the coolest thing.
1: So Roberto Luongo was part of the team to pick the Ice Girls. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, him and the Sky Lenny. Him and the Sky Lenny. And I don't know where Lenny is to this day. He was a goalie. I know he played some minor pro. Uh Lenny is he just sounds
1: like a guy player. from Long Island. Hey, yeah, yeah, Lenny. Yeah, My yeah, buddy exactly. Lenny.
0: Lenny, the goalie guy. Yeah, hey, <laughs> <the guy. laughs> Lenny. Hey. Yeah, they did this whole thing with the ice girls. And they let me chill right by the table. It was uh that was a fond childhood memory.
2: But it's – to me, to all the people listening, you know, players, parents, coaches, everybody, what's up, Hockey Think Tank, Uh, it doesn't – those players could have been junior hockey players. They could have been college hockey players. They even could have been midget players. players. Giving a little bit of time to the younger players. It makes a difference. They would – they would probably look up to junior players and midget players almost in the same light if they gave them a little bit of time. That's why when Toph ran um, you know, that club in, in New York, I, I absolutely loved how he made it a thing that the older teams had to skate with the younger teams multiple times per season. And that just like the whole creating a family environment within an entire organization and an entire club – five ten years down the line that is going to create something really really special By creating those bonds, you know, I've talked about how much I looked up to the one college hockey player that I knew in middle school who came back like four times. He's now an assistant coach in the NHL, Jay Verde. And like, literally, I am the way I am loving helping younger hockey players because he came to four practices over the course of like three years. And I was just like, wow, like, that's so cool. I learned how to do this thing he's doing in college hockey. And I was a little kid. Right. So, you know, parents. I would I would urge you with your players to to get after them about this message and oh you know go over there go to that practice and help that younger team or volunteer at this or run a hockey camp for the younger players and things like that because it's it's what's really really great about our game when those older players give back to the younger players
0: so to speak to that you uh in year one on Long Island, you met my uh, my best friend, Will. He's the tall, Viking-looking guy. And he played many years of, of minor pro. And that's exactly who that was to me. And, and now he's my son's godfather. And, you know, I would stay late at the rink and watch him practice. And he was my camp counselor and, and coach at the at the Iceworks camp. And he always tried to give back to the younger guys, especially me. And he turned into family. He's legitimately family, and you know now he runs a great program on Long Island with the Long Island Arrows, and he does a lot for the you know New York State hockey. He's um, he's definitely exactly what you were just talking about, and and he made sure that he did those things all out of the graciousness of his heart. He never asked for a dime to go to those extra practices and and, and all those things, and um, just couldn't couldn't. You can't you can't put a monetary value on what that means that, to kids. You can't. It's impossible. And you're 100% right. Having an influence like that and a mentor like that, it, it changes you for the better. And, and these kids get so excited when these, when these guys who are playing at that higher level that they want to be. You don't have to be in the NHL, like you're saying. You could be on the Bantam team, you could be on the Midget team, and you could be going out for mic practice, and that'll set the same exact example. And you never know, these could be lifelong friendships that you make or, you know, look at me, he turned into my kid's godfather 30 years later, you know, pretty cool. Yeah,
1: that's really cool, man. I mean, the more, geez, the more that I do this, the more podcasts I listen to, the more books I read, the more I am steadfastly just in uh, mentorship is everything. Mentorship is everything. Finding the right mentors can Change your life. It, it literally can change your life for the positive because just having somebody to show you the way, like, and for all the kids listening, like, once you get into real life, especially, like, a lot of times we're just a fish out of water, man. And we're just trying to figure it out on a daily basis. And if you're really, really great at what you do, you figure it out <laughs> how to structure things and, and do it maybe a little bit quicker than others. But at some point in all of our lives, like we need to figure it out. And if we can get a great mentor, not just to show us the way, just in terms of like, um, you know, career wise, but just somebody that's like a good person that can show us like how to be a good citizen and, and teach us things and things like, like it just, man, like it's for our own development, whether it's professionally or personally, the right mentor can like really, truly change your life as it did with you.
0: Yeah. couldn't agree more. I couldn't, and, and when you're younger, you may, you may not realize that these people are mentors. You may just think of them as kind of, you know, maybe you idolize them a little bit or or whatever it may be. But, but as you get older, these, these mentors, you, once you realize that they are mentors and, you know, maybe it's not just coach or dad or whoever, um, you know, to be taken under somebody's wing to really help you, you know, succeed or expand and, and your friends can also be your mentors. It doesn't always have to be this, you know, this older person. You know, you can have mentors that are your age. You can even have mentors that are younger than you, because everybody goes through the world at different speeds and has different experiences, and you never know. That for you,
1: hundred percent, man, hundred um, percent. All right, we've beat the mentorship thing to death a little bit. It's really important, but let's move on. You guys ready? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay. So it's really interesting, Jeff. Like, so before the call, you know, I kind of asked you for some talking points of things that you think would be important. And, And I think you hit the nail on the head with one thing that you wanted to talk about, particularly at this time of year. It's silly season, baby it is silly season going on right now. And people are jockeying for spring and summer stuff. People are jockeying for tryouts and what they're doing next year. And uh, it's a very big topic. That's top of mind for a lot of people in the youth hockey space right now. Um, So I'm just going to flat out ask you a real simple question at this point of year when it is silly season and you got a million different people in your head about what you should be doing in the spring, in the summer, next year, whatever, give us a a couple pieces of advice, maybe one piece of advice for a player going into this season and one piece of advice for a parent coming into this season that can help uh, to maybe de-stress is the right word uh, or just put some things into perspective.
0: Well, I don't know if anything I could say can de-stress anybody, Uh, but I uh, I do have some advice for players. And that would be going into tryouts. Don't try to be something that you're not and play the game the right way. So all too often you see players going into tryouts and they think they need to do everything themselves because that's what's going to get the attention on them. They need to pull out all the fancy tricks and the dangles and this and that. And they end up playing extremely selfishly and they're not actually playing the game. And as somebody who scouts, as somebody who's coached for many years at all different levels from squirt to juniors. uh, That's the last thing any of us want to see. We want to see you guys actually play the game, play the game the right way, moving the puck, moving your feet, high hockey IQ. Uh, So I strongly try to dissuade any players thinking that, you know, by keeping the puck on their stick and going coast to coast all day, that that's going to be their ticket to the, to the big leagues. Uh, As far as parents, the number one thing that I'd like to keep in mind for parents is don't burn any bridges. Don't burn any bridges. If you're planning on leaving your organization, um, you're only going to do your, your, your son or daughter a disservice. You're going to do yourself a disservice because people, people tend to think that, you know, the kids are the only ones that are going to progress through this kind of, you know, these stages that we're in right now, but you never know who that squirt peewee Bantam coach is going to be three, four five years from now. When, when your kid, trying out or or maybe it didn't work out where you thought the grass was going to be greener I saw this great thing that said you know sometimes the grass is greener because it's fake and mm-hmm. you know you, you don't know you don't know where the world is going to take you you don't know if you're going to be back where you started at this organization because who knows maybe three four years from now now that organization may have figured it out and now they're the leading you know the leading horse in the race so don't burn any bridges don't don't go out there and, and blast anybody in the lobby on your way out or on Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. And I, I see and hear these things too often. So for players, keep it real on the ice. High hockey IQ. Move the puck. Don't try to do it all yourself. And Parents, please don't burn any bridges. Seen that a couple
2: times, have you? <laughs> yeah, Yeah, I think I have.
1: So what do you let, – let's get into that a little bit because I think this is a good discussion point, particularly for some of the feedback that I'm getting in our community that we have on Facebook, but but just from other emails that I'm getting. Like what do you mean by don't burn any bridges? Like do you have any specific examples of maybe something a parent has done that you've seen? Um, why is it bad to burn bridges? Like what what does that mean?
0: So uh, I'm not going to obviously put anybody on blast. But uh, you know, a few years back, um, I was the assistant hockey director of an organization, and we had gone through a name change. But it was in in essence, you know, we were running a a great program, and we proved that by winning multiple, you know, league and state championships along different levels. Um, Everything was really going in in a great direction, but some people thought that. The high-end A was beneath their child at that point. And they went on social media platforms, like I said, not in the lobby, because I seen that from experience. They were in the lobby blasting the organization. Um, and then they left. But then a few years later they ended up right back at the organization. And I just I just couldn't I just couldn't believe how some of these people were able to sleep at night that knowing that they have to now walk around the same lobby as all the people that they were talking trash about for so long, you know, like they're just, because you may be going on to from double A to triple A doesn't mean that you can treat people like they're beneath you, you know, it's, and. As far as like progressing through the stages of, of, you know, moving up a double A triple A, I think that people do get an inflated sense of self and especially when they're living vicariously through their children, which is really unfortunate. Um, just remember that this is about your player. This is about your son or daughter. This isn't about that you can walk into the rink and feel like you're this, you know, high, high level person because your son or daughter plays AAA. at the end of the day, we all breathe the same air. I think, I think you like you should really take a step back and realize that, that just because your player may have progressed a little bit faster than number, another one, or maybe your player progressed because they are better. Okay. So they're better on the ice in this game that we play. Does that make them a better person? A, lo- a lot of times it doesn't. I mean, let's be honest. It doesn't. And a lot of times it could, they, the kid sees the inflated sense of self of the adult, and then they get an inflated sense of self. And then they're part of that group of people that nobody wants to play with. Isn't it so
1: funny in in youth hockey how like there's this popularity contest between parents solely based upon a God-given talent of an (laughs) eight-year-old? You know, like you know what I mean? Like the like the coolest parent is the one whose you know kid can skate in a straight line faster than everybody else. Uh, Isn't it crazy how that works? It's It's probably similar in other sports too, where like the best pitchers, like their parents, you know what I mean? And that's why I say, like for, for coaches out there. Like it's really important to have a little bit more of a like relationship with like your best player's parents because a lot of times the other parents on your team will follow what the best player's parents are going to do. And if your best player's parents are grounded and good people and hard workers and they expect that out of their kid and they don't cause any drama, it makes the job of the coach so much easier. If you have your best players whose parents always think the grass is greener on the other side are always complaining about stuff, yada, yada, yada. Like that's going to permeate through everybody else because for whatever reason, like that's just how it works, right? That's just how it works. A lot of times is like the best players. Parents are the ones that have the most sway in, in, uh, in a parent group. And it's just, it's just so funny how that happens.
2: That's wild. I, I'm it's just true like, though.
1: Right. I'm not no. speaking crap here. Right. That's true.
2: Dude, 100 percent. I'm thinking about all the teams I was on, but also like coaching, like, the you know, however long it's been. And the the parents who walking around and it's hanging out there and swinging around and they're walking, you know, and it's like, dude, your kids play. What do you do? You guys are all the same. Like, you guys are all behind the glass. None of you are in the arena. Like, let's let's. But also to Toge's point, and we've talked about this on the podcast, but it's been a hot minute. But we've talked about if you can get your best players, especially in youth hockey, to fully buy in and believe and like working hard is cool and paying attention to the details and practice is cool. You get them to do it. All the other players who look up to your best player, your stud or couple of studs, they're all going to live and play and act that way, too. So. Uh, we didn't talk about that connection when we talked about getting your best players, you know, bought in, but it's so true. That's, that's wild. That's so funny. Did you see that? I feel like, and, and you know what, people on the East coast, I love you. I love you. I'm not trying to to throw you under the bus, but I feel like the East coast, we got a little, Hey, we got a a little more swagger. I feel like people are a lot more intense out there. I can say that I lived on the East coast for a few years.
1: So you also lived in Chicago.
2: Yeah. 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 But man, Chicago is nothing. Well, I lived in a beautiful suburb of Chicago. It's a lot. That's even worse. Well, yeah, I guess maybe. But 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 like I feel like people on the East Coast, like they they're a little bit more intense. I feel like the Midwest might be a little bit more laid back. Maybe that's an overgeneralization. But how is the parent hockey culture in new york like how is that because i was there there as a pro not as a around youth hockey other than when i've come to your camps the last couple years
0: all right so let me start by saying that's definitely not an (laughs) 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 overgeneralization. just lay that to rest right now um it's you're right it's it's very intense here uh i've been uh, i've lived and worked in three different hockey markets uh, in florida and the carolinas and up here and this is certainly the most intense hockey market as far as, as parents are concerned.
2: Is it, uh, is it more expensive there in New York? And do you think that that plays a role? Because I, if I was a parent shelling out as much as parents were shelling out, I won't lie, I probably would be a little bit more high strung, I would think. But do you think that that has something to do with it?
0: Uh, yes and no. I think it's also just our culture here. Uh, that's just how we are in this kind of geographic area. Yeah. Um, because the, the program that I work with now is not any more or less expensive than, you know, what my parents paid 30 years ago, which is a whole nother topic. It's really not that expensive in comparison to other organizations that I've been a part of. Uh, but that's, that's just us, right? I'm just talking about us specifically for the most part, they are pretty, pretty damn expensive. You know, when you start talking, you know, the big name organizations around here, you're, you're paying a pretty penny to play hockey. Um, but I, I think really it's just it's just kind of how this area is. And I noticed that rinks are kind of, you know, in their own way, they're kind of like people reliving high school with people click up and people, you know, gibbering and jabbering in the background about this one. Did you hear about that one? Did you hear about this one? it's a it's kind of a big gossip. Uh, I'm not just saying that about my facility that I'm at I'm saying that in as in in general, kind of in this area, from what I hear from other people working at rinks and this and that, it, we all talk about the same thing and it's, and it's a common problem, but you're right here is, and I'm not sure what it costs in the Midwest to play right now, but I'd say more often than not, you're you're paying a lot of money to play, to play hockey in this day and age. So
2: you think that has a, a big effect on that? You think it's geographics? What are, what are we talking here? Cause it, I don't remember Chicago being, that intense, like I feel like New York is it maybe I'm wrong. I know, obviously I was only in Chicago playing hockey youth hockey for really a year. You were there your whole life,
1: yeah. I mean, I think every every place around the world, you know, not just the u s or Canada or whatever has its strengths and has its weaknesses. and I think at each I don't know, man, like I think it's kind of nuts everywhere, dude like it has gotten so expensive and and yeah, I mean, it's almost natural that the more you're investing because that's what it is, right? If you're going to pay all this money, you're investing in something. Uh, and now, people are investing for different reasons. Some people are investing that money so their kid can become a better person. Some people are, my kid needs to make the NHL. So like there's different avenues of why people invest that money into kids. But the more you invest in things, the more you're going to watch it, the more you're going to scrutinize it, the more you're going to, you know, look at it with a fine tooth comb because yeah, like that's, and for, you know, especially for families that like don't have that much, but have to pay that much for their kid to play higher level hockey. Like, yeah, it's a little stressful. Like you want you want it to be a good experience for your kid. You want your kid to be mentally healthy. You want to see your kid get better and develop as as a player, as a person. Beach out. Like there's all of these things that we want for our kids, right? And so, yeah, I, I think the more expensive it's gotten, the more scrutiny it gets, and and the more stress people get with it when they don't see results or development or whatever they're gauging their their investment dollars on. That makes sense. It's yeah. only natural, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. For sure. That's I was trying to put my myself in parents' shoes who are like the, the crazy parent. I'm like, man, if I was spending 20 G's a year on
1: eight-year-old hockey, I'd probably be a little bit loopy too. <laughs> <laughs> little bit, little bit, little bit. Okay, like kind of like going on that realm of what we're talking about right here, a lot of like stress that other parents have is like spring and summer hockey, like spring and summer hockey kind of evolves around tryout times. And then people are trying to figure out what to do after that and stuff. So what, I don't know, man, like where do you see spring and summer hockey? What are, what are the benefits of it? What should people be doing in the spring and the summer? Like what, what's your advice to, to people out there who are trying to figure that side of things out? Cause it's coming up quick.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think you need to know what you want out of spring or summer hockey before you get into it. And if you are looking for legitimate sh- scouting showcases at 10, I think you need to pump the brakes a little bit personally. Um, and, you know, I I think that at 15 through 20, you should be going out there and getting one to two showcases in. But I'm also a big believer in playing other sports and doing other things. And I'm also a huge believer in taking breaks, but that leads me to a a question that I I wanted to ask, which is tryouts have been moving earlier and earlier. I don't know what they were when you guys were growing up, but if I can remember clearly, I think ours were like the end of June or early July when I was growing up. I think the earliest ones was the end of May towards Memorial day. Now tryouts are in March. They're two weeks after the season ends how does that leave time for a player to develop or maybe take a break after the season? Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I did, I would always take two to three, four weeks after the season and leave my jets in the garage. How does, how does that leave any ample time for these kids to actually develop? Or are you not just picking the, 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 the guys from the team last year pretty much?
2: Yeah. Maybe. I mean, that's, that's not what we talked about. We talk about this on the podcast all the time. Like, that drives me nuts, too. Uh Toph, I feel like Tolf's nailed it down before we're saying, like, you know, if you don't, then what one, one team does it, then, you know, okay, well, they're going to get the best players. Okay, now, well, now we got to do it, and we'll do it a day earlier, and, oh, now we're going to put our tryouts on the exact same night. So you got to decide before the tryouts which team are you going to try out for. It's just all, like, so crazy. Is that something – that USA hockey could like mandate and be like, nobody's allowed to have tryouts before X, or is that not even something that's possible you think? To
1: well, every, every affiliate of USA hockey has different rules. So it's not like, um, you know, it's, it's the same. First of all, it's not the same for tier one and tier two. Uh, second of all, it's not the same in particular to the places that I've worked in Chicago and in New York, like in Chicago, I, I want to say they were in May, And in New York, they're literally like 24 hours after nationals is done. And so it's like literally the next day. Um, The thing that kind of sucks is that like, you know, we've talked about this, like tryouts is used to be kind of earning your spot on a team. And now tryouts are kind of like a formality for most, you know, organizations. Um, Now for more of the community based stuff where they're kind of like, okay, am I going to make the A, B and C team? There is a little bit more of a tryout thing there but particularly like the tier 1 level um maybe some of the higher level tier 2 stuff like they really it's like again we talk about it youth hockey is more recruiting than it is development that's not to say there aren't people out there developing kids there are a lot of really good coaches out there but like, if you think about how many hours in a day some of these youth coaches spend on their phone trying to like recruit kids to their organization and how they can be using their time so much better if you kind of had to play for your town, <laughs> or, or there was some like somewhere in the middle of that, there were some more rules that kind of like curb that stuff. And there are, there are, like, I know in Illinois, there's a rule at the tier two level that, you know, you can only have like at, at the peewee level, you can only have like two players on your team that are from out of the organization the year before that. And then like three in Bantams and four midgets, something to that effect. So like there are USA hockey is trying, um, to, to kind of put some stuff in place, but yeah, man, like, and we've talked about it before, like tryouts, a lot of well, times it's just a formality. You don't got to earn it. And well, you, then that stinks.
2: Yeah. You talking about that, like real quickly, I was just thinking back and like, I never knew, any tryout I ever no, went to that I was making the team ever. Yep. Now, like literally, I'm going through every single year where I would have to try out juniors and down. I never, it, never, no matter how good my last season was, I'm going back to the same team, same organization. No one ever knew. And now I'm fast forwarding thinking about all these kids that I train and they know coming in, they already have a spot. Like, they already know. They've already been basically given the contract. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're you're on. Don't worry about it. Bro. And so then, you know, what Toph and I are always trying to talk about is how important and amazing hockey is for just human development, doing all the right things. Well, now if we're taking away so many kids' stories uh, quote unquote struggle, or like having to learn about pressure, uh, uh, going to a tryout, earning something, it's just like given. Yeah, they've earned it through other ways playing, it, playing before but it's not the same right given 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 well of course when they get older they're going to get out of college and think oh I'm just gonna be given a hundred thousand uh, dollar job or a 150 thousand dollar job the amount of kids that have come out of college in different walks of life that that are like oh yeah you know I'm, I'm make you know hundred 120 uh, and I'm like ha. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. Right. Okay. Good luck doing that right away. Unless you're a, a rock scientist, you know, like figure it out here. A rock uh, scientist. I'm to find
1: a rock scientist. Yeah, all right. A I, joke. I science, have, joke. okay. I'm going to get dramatic here. I'm going to get very, oh. very dramatic here. Vax, I've told this story on the podcast before, but this is like, I'm, I'm, I literally want all the kids to get off your phones And stop playing your video games in the car if you're on your way to practice. And I want you to listen to this story, okay? And this is going to like really hammer home a lot of what Vex and I believe in and it relates to this particular topic that we're talking about right now. So when I was a Bantam major, so that's what, 14 you know, I played for the Chicago Young Americans and our team won the national championship that year. And our team was stacked. Our team was loaded. Our team was unbelievable. We had tryouts, Okay. We had tryouts and we had through the, through the trial process, we had the entire team picked after the first two days. And there was a third day of tryouts. Sorry. We had the entire team picked except for one person. There was one person. OK, so we had a crazy Russian coach. His name was Stan Stiopkin, who did things his way. There's no chance he gets away with this nowadays. But what I will tell you is this had a very significant positive impact on the kids life that I'm going to be talking to you about in just a second. So what happened is Stan picked the entire team except for one spot. And for that one spot, there were two kids that were fighting for that spot. OK, one's name was Mikey Brown. The other's name I won't mention right now. Ah, whatever. It's Jimmy Hoffman. Jimmy Hoffman was the other kid. Okay. So what Stan did is he put everybody else in the stands and the only two people on the ice were Mike Brown and Jimmy Hoffman for that third tryout. That was it. And he ran them through one-on-one drills. It was just one-on-one drills. The two of them, what not necessarily a who wants it more, but just like, Hey, you got to like play yourself onto this team right now. Everybody's watching. (laughs) Like it's going to be clear as day. Who's going to be that person. Okay. So Mikey Brown ends up outplaying Jimmy and Jimmy's an awesome dude, right? Like great kid, like awesome guy, like suck that he got cut from the team, but like Mikey earned his way through the tryout onto our team, right? On our team, Mikey Brown was the last person picked. This was at 14 years old. And this is why I want all of you kids to listen. It was Bantam major. He was the last kid picked on the team. Bantam major. And he is the kid that went the furthest. He is the only kid on that team that ended up playing in the NHL. And we had a 20-year reunion of us winning the national championship. And Mikey Brown talks about that day as a huge part of the reason why he made the NHL, because he had to earn it. And Mikey Brown was a third, fourth-line guy All the way through, he went, he ended up going to the national program. Two years later, he ended up going to the university of Michigan and he ended up playing probably seven, eight years as a fourth line guy in the NHL because of his work ethic, his attitude, the type of teammate he was. And he told us on the call, like, guys, like, I don't know if I make the NHL had I not had to earn that tryout. And, and so like, it's just, it's again, we're talking about tryouts here and having the opportunity to earn right? Earn, earn is a word that we all should be talking about way, 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 way more. Because once you get into real life, (laughs) you got to earn stuff, man. Um, You know, all of this, uh, you know, recruiting stuff, and we know our teams and all that kind of stuff that gets thrown out the window. Once you once you get into the real world, for the most part, anyway. And so I want you guys to really think about that story at 14 years old, when people get cut, or they don't things aren't going their way. Some of them think like my, my career's over or I'm not going to achieve my dreams, whatever it may be. Mikey was the last kid that was on that team in a way like the, like you can kind of say he kind of got humiliated having to even do that tryout like that. That was very uncomfortable for him to have to do that, but he did it and he earned it and he worked. And then he took that, like who knows, like if he just makes the team or there's no tryout, does he learn that lesson? That helped him to become an NHL player? Probably not. Butterfly
2: effect. That is so wild. How was the. Were you guys in the locker room while that, while they were getting. No, ready we were to in the stands
1: there? watching the two of them do their one on one drills. So the entire they team.
2: The, they go in the locker room together, two men enter, one man leaves type of deal. Like you're just sitting there in an empty lot, like you're 14. There's a locker room, just two of you looking at each other like, what is about to happen? But. I don't, I I
1: don't remember, but yeah, you know, like, yeah,
2: but I mean, amazing, amazing earning
0: it. Is that not like the purest form of tryout though? Am I way out of bounds by saying that? Like there's one spot and two guys. It's like, what other way? I mean, I think what he did was, I don't definitely work today, but I really think that that's like kind of the purest form of finding out who's going to make it out of two guys. That's Uh, pretty wild.
1: Yeah, dude. Like if I'm running a tryout, like I'm doing one-on-one drills, I'm doing really small area games, one-on-one, two-on-two, because at the end of the day, like if there's two kids that are even-ish, but one of them just like wants it more in those drills, and those are the kinds of drills where you can really see like the want, that makes it a really easy decision, because I know – like as a coach, having done this for a long time, the kids who typically want it more in drills like that are going to work harder and they're going to be way better at the end of the year than they were at the beginning compared to the other kid. And also that kid's probably going to be more coachable at the end of the day. And I'm going to want to be around that kid more. (laughs) So like, um, yeah, like if you're a coach doing tryouts or a program director, man, like that should be a staple of your tryouts. Don't just, don't just scrimmage, like split them up. You know, one-on-one drills, two-on-two drills, small areas type stuff. I think that goes a long way. Isn't that a crazy story about Brownie, though?
2: Dude, that's – I'm so fired up, and I'm so – I need to talk to him now about that experience. We
1: got to have him man. on the podcast. I know. I've been to talking one. to him for years.
2: I'm like, dude, when he you come Same on the podcast? Here. Like, let's go, bro. But it's like, I can't wait to dig into that experience and, and the psychology of that and how he felt that night afterwards. Like, wow. Like at 14 too to, to do that. Un- unbelievable.
0: Unbelievable. <laughs> So
2: you're gonna be you're gonna be running that uh, for tryouts in your in your organization,
0: Jeffy. Yeah, he's, he's in the it's gonna be like in uh, what is it, the Dark Knight when he has those two uh, the three guys and he throws the bat into the middle and he's only got one job.
1: It's, uh,
0: sorry, I didn't I didn't mean to digress back into into tryouts when we were gonna start talking about spring and summer hockey. Uh, but that was that was that was definitely worth the price of admission. Just oh, on that.
2: Spot. God electric. <laughs> I'm fired sweet. up right now. Yeah. All
1: nice. right, well, let's get back to spring and summer hockey then. Yeah, uh, if you have just some advice for some parents that are looking to figure figure that side of life out for their kids, you know, what would you recommend? You know, what are some, you know, tips of the trade that that you would give to parents?
0: Well, the first thing that I would recommend would be the Jeff Lavecchio Hip Mobility Program that's right he said it. it saved my life i'll tell you i'm i'm like a loose goose now that i've got <laughs> <laughs> that thing's got me all uh all greased Oiled up yeah but for sure i feel like the tin man <laughs> after he gets the oil poured in him but um no i uh, speaking seriously i think that uh i think that there are some some showcases and and tournaments that are worthwhile and but knowing what you want out of that is super important, right? Are you are you going to these things because you think your kid's going to get seen and scouted, or are you going just to have you know a competitive weekend and and you know keep the wheels going? Uh, as far as training is concerned, I think a lot of players uh, burn themselves out in the off season. I think they go way too hard in certain aspects. Um, I think a lot of times you really should be focused more in the gym. And I'm saying this as a guy who runs development programs, right? Like that's that's my bread and butter. That's where I, I make my money. Um, that's what I love to do is on ice development. I'm not a, a gym guy uh, like Jeff, but I'll be the first person to say you need to get in the gym in the offseason. Uh, I think guys focus way too much uh, on, on on ice work during the offseason. I think it should be a couple times a week once you get back into it. Uh, and I, I definitely think that players need to take a break. I do not believe in the 12-month season. I'm, I, I hate it. I think it's terrible. I think it's terrible for, for players. I think it's terrible for parents. I think it's terrible for bank accounts on all counts. Um, there was this guy, uh, his name's John Parrish Jr., JPJ. And a long time ago, he pulled me aside and he was trying to tell me about taking breaks. And, and he goes, uh, you know, what's your favorite food? And I told him. And he goes, all right, if I made you eat that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day for 20 years, you think it'd be your favorite food anymore? I was like, no, I'd be torture. I'd hate it. And he goes, that's exactly why I'm telling you after the end of the season, you have to put your skates away for at least a month. Because by the time week three comes, you're going to be itching to get back on the ice. By the time week four, four comes, you're going to go out there and start flying again because you're going to have missed it so much. But if you're playing every single day or, you know, five, six times a week for 12 months out of the year, eventually you're just going to start to tune it out. No matter how much you love it, eventually at some point it's going to turn into torture for you. So I think it's the players take a break. I love the idea. And I heard you guys talking to Beebs about it uh, on a previous episode about playing other sports. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of that. But going in with a plan, going in with a plan is super important. It's what do you want out of this offseason? What, what are the deficiencies in your game? uh that you think you really need to work on uh what are the deficiencies about you physically that you need to work on um and why are we flying all around the world what's the what's the what's the purpose of this are we like i said before are we trying to get scouted or are we trying to just be competitive and if we can be competitive can we just do this at a local tournament do i need to fly all over the western world to do this and spend all this money uh i mean it's thousands right and it all adds up and I think that hockey is already an extremely expensive sport, way more expensive than I think many times it needs to be. So why add that unnecessary expense and stress to your life?
2: Love that. Love that. I I like how you said, like, what, think about your why if you're going to pick to go to a, a tournament or a showcase or whatever. Because tofu and I played in a couple, uh, probably two years back-to-back. We played in Toronto for the uh, prospects tournaments. Uh, back-to-back. Which camps. used to be
1: like, the biggest the, tournament ever. Yeah, there yeah, was awesome.
2: the tournament in the summer, right? Huge back to back champs, not a big deal. And then went back a third year, lost in the championship. But uh they said no North American team had ever done that. Not a big deal, guys. That was us. But anyways, you read in <laughs> the record books, you see us in there. Um, but I really wanted to go to that because Toph was going and I didn't get to play with Tolf, you know, ever. So like that think, was like the time, I, and that was really cool for me but that was the only tournament I, I did in the summer. You know, I think like, that
1: like, that's really important to talk about because like, we, had, we actually had a really good discussion in the, in our hockey think tank, Facebook community about this kind of like summer hockey. And there was somebody on there that was trying to, um, talk to a parent uh, who had questions about summer hockey. And so they kind of posed this question to the group and we had a lot of really good answers. And, and the one thing that like, I think it's important to talk about is like, it doesn't have to be so binary, like never play hockey or play hockey 365, particularly (laughs) in the summer. Right. Because some of, again, like some of our great memories is like some, like, summer hockey tournaments that we got to go to and play together like vex we did like nashville when we were like 11 yeah we were,
2: 11, kids. Yeah. When we were yeah. kids
1: and like got to see the city and and went to like a camp in quebec with stas and and months and um and and then got to do like those prospect tournaments together like if, if it's fun, like do it, you know, like we played roller hockey, we had roller hockey leagues that were like really fun um, and stuff like that. So I, I think that like, it's really important to like as we have these conversations about like summer or spring type stuff, like it doesn't have to be like, we have to play multiple sports and that's it. No hockey. It doesn't have to be, I have to be on the ice 365 days a year. Like find the balance that works for you mentally physically financially for mom and dad um and 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 just have fun with it man like have fun with it find like a group like to to train with if you're a little bit older um you know that that has a really good coach and like get better and stuff like like, it doesn't have to be so binary i love that
2: love that What, what was your what were your summers like in new york jeffy
0: uh so you know we kid, had
2: when you were playing when you
0: were playing yeah yeah so i mean we had uh i think starting about 12 or no maybe i was a little bit younger played for the connecticut yankees we would, and that was insane and we even thought it was crazy then like driving all the way up there to you know that's like an hour and a half each way with no traffic um but after that we i started playing for a local spring team and we do a couple tournaments go to canada or whatever it was but Uh, And then it would just be the local hockey camp at Iceworks, man. Like, that's what it was. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, It was with all my friends, and it was five minutes down the street. It was super easy for my parents, and it was affordable, and they could just drop me off and wait for me to call Collect on the way home. We used to do the old (laughs) C-A-L-L-A-T-T, and, hey, it's Jeff. I'm ready. Pick me up. Do you accept the charges? Nope. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I did that. every yeah. time
2: i'd go every time i go to the mall with my buddies that's what we do in middle school You can't do anything all right we'll go walk around the mall talk to some chicks at abercrombie and hollister and uh or, yeah call me when you're ready didn't have cell phones pick up the phone 1-800 call att what is your name pick me up Mama. i'm ready to go bye <laughs> <laughs>
1: what was that what was that like 1-800 bob, commercial know.
2: bob we out a baby it's a boy
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had a baby, it's a boy.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want to accept a call from Bob? We had a baby, it's a boy. Um, but Jeffy, <laughs> that, 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 you know. You say in there, you know, where you were, you'd have to drive an hour and a half each way, no traffic. New York, that's not a thing. Probably took you seven hours each way every time I'm out there. Um, is that was that one of the re- And you talk about how expensive that is and traveling and stuff? Is that one of the reasons that you started Vanguard International and you're doing it where you grew up now, at least a couple camps a year? And it's the one that you've brought me out for and it's the one you're bringing Tof out for and me again back this year. Is that because because for those of you who don't know, I met Jeff uh, he invited me out to run the off ice for a camp out in long island and that's how we met uh three years ago now this will be my third year going out there and he runs a really cool program where with these camps guys they can be very lucrative right you can be very lucrative even if you offer like a not even a great product like you know the numbers are there and stuff but instead of just running a lucrative product just to to run a business that makes a bunch of money he spends a ton of money to bring in coaches from all over the world to his hometown and and these other areas that he does it and it allows the campers to get exposed to coaches from all different areas you know we got we got germany russia you know st louis chicago vermont you got canada coaches from all over the place he flies in and to me like that is something that as a parent i'd be oh man like that's a cool experience he's going to learn what the best skill coach in germany is doing what detroit's best skills coach what the hot guy who's jack with the tats is is doing with the kids out in the in the the gym you know that's me for those of you wondering talking about me (laughs) yes you (laughs) um is that was that a reason you know that you wanted to start what you've done with with vanguard
0: you know, when I first started Vanguard, uh, I was living in the Carolinas, and I just wanted to do something totally different, and uh, to bring Will back up, uh, Will told me that we should do it in Long Island, and I wanted to bring it, his son is like my nephew, and I wanted him to experience that too, and yeah, now after we did year one, it's it's kind of Honestly, it kind of evolved into that, that I wanted to keep bringing it back to Long Island because that's, you know, that's where my heart is. That's, you know, it was everything to me is home, you know, but it started, um, it started because I saw an opportunity to be different in, in a, in a market where there are a lot of, like, as you said, there's some, there's a lot of amazing coaches, but a lot of them are from all over the place. And I saw this opening that not a lot of people right now are kind of working together. Everyone's kind of just doing their own thing. So when the idea of this started, I'm a big travel guy. I've traveled all over the world um, in between my little hiatus after I had to stop playing,, you know, that's what I did for a while. so i'm'm I'm, I'm all about like these kind of worldly views. I thought, why? why would people have to fly all over the world and spend a ton of money if I could bring it all to the doorstep and long Island's a market that I knew and I understood. So that's where, um, that's where I wanted to do these huge events, but also it worked out because April is kind of a downtime for a lot of skills guys. Um, it's during tryout season for the most part or just after tryout season. So maybe people, you know, the ones that don't want to take a break are going to train and, and these guys, you know, they just finished their seasons for their club, or maybe they have a little bit of a hiatus from their own company. So it all kind of turned into this, this perfect recipe for why April on long Island turned into what it is. But uh, I do appreciate all the, all the nice things you said. It's um, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, it's not about it. It really has never been about the money. It's learning from all the, all the men and women that come and coach, is as rewarding or more rewarding than any monetary game I can get. And I want to, you know, I'm not going to list through all of them, but all of our great sponsors that, that help keep the cost down for these players. Like we, I really try to keep this at the most affordable cost for everybody. I mean, it's cheaper than a plane ticket and a meal to, to go to, it's cheaper than flying to Germany to go train with a guy like Alex. And that's before you even train with him. That's just for the flight and you get him for a week and you, all the other amazing coaches. Uh, but it really, it really started as just kind of filling a void, it, and um, it's kind of really accelerated into much more than that now. But uh, it's it's been a hell of a ride these past three years. Well,
2: what I what I really like is that you made it an experience too. Like bringing in all these different coaches, it it, it, it makes it an experience. And like I talked about with going to prospects with TOF, that was an experience. We went to Nashville for one summer tournament when we were like nine or 10 topes that our whole family went, that was an experience. It wasn't like just about the, the, the games of the camp. It was, it was an experience and, and you're with your buddies, like you had said it was vacation. Yeah. For, for our parents, you know, yeah. they got to you know run wild while we're, while we're playing hockey and, you Mom, know, Dad,
1: I, why are you coming into the hotel 3am? <laughs>
2: What are you doing? <laughs> with a tub of chocolate what is that bobby oh okay <laughs> inside he knows uh what's up UB? um and and uh i think that that if you're going to choose a camp you know one that obviously is providing the value of of the on ice instruction and stuff but also like where's your kid going to develop an even deeper passion for hockey for their friends for the game um i think that is really really important when we're talking about choosing a summer camp um so like choose wisely you know
1: yeah choose wisely (laughs) (laughs) all
0: right
1: well jeff this has been awesome man what uh where can people find you like website social media all that kind of stuff um to to see all the good stuff you got going on
0: Well, to, uh, to see if we're going to be around since we're taking the 2024 world tour pretty soon, starting up, uh, check us out at VanguardHockey.com, and for all the uh, social media stuff, please check out Vanguard hockey INT on Instagram.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Love it, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Going to have a couple more minutes with you for our 10 questions, which will be housed on our online community for our community members. So if you want to hear more from Jeff, we're going to have 10 questions for you. Uh, Boom. So go to the hockeythinktank.com and uh and there's a community tab on there and uh, man, that's going awesome. So um, Jeff, thank you. And let's do our 10 questions. Here we go.
0: Thank you guys very much for having me on. It's a real honor and a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this. Thank you very much.
1: Appreciate it, man.